This episode of the 614 Startups Podcast is brought to you by Ecove Capital. Are you a researcher or an inventor with a product or technology you want to commercialize and you're not quite sure how to get started? The team at Ecove can help you validate your idea, secure funding, and provide the support necessary to help your startup succeed. Check out Ecove Capital for more details. And Thompson Hine. Whether you just have an idea or a newly created startup or already working to scale, Thompson Hines' team of early and growth stage attorneys will provide you the support you need to get funded and succeed. Created to meet the needs and budgets of startups, Thompson Hines' quick launch has menu-based pricing and tons of great content. Visit thquicklaunch.com today. 614 Startups Nation. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome back to another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast. And I'm here and I'm fanboying out right now. I'm fangirling out. Okay. So we're both fan whatever and out right now. Uh, And because I'm so excited to have a young entrepreneur that I'm very, very high on. Uh, Been following her for a long time. Angela Rucci with Tego. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. This is a dream. I love your podcast. Listen to almost every episode. Yeah. Every time we run into each other, we're just gushing over each other. So it's kind of funny. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing? I'm such a big fan, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And then everyone's just like rolling their eyes like, okay. Right. Yeah. Like what's going on with these two? All right. Well, um, you know, we start every podcast with a bit about the personal. So for folks who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm the CEO of Tego. It's a personal caring and safety app. So I started this, uh, we're almost coming up on our year anniversary, which is really exciting, but it, uh, it's an app that allows you to connect with your friends while you're on the go. So this problem that we all face is, you know, hey, text me when you get home, and everyone always forgets. The person goes into a panic. I mean, I'll get texts from a mom, did you get in a crash? What happened? I'm like, no, mom, I just fell asleep. So we wanted to reduce that anxiety and just let friends know when they got home safely. And if something bad does happen along the way, we're there to help. Okay. Well, that's the Tago story. We're going to get to that. I want the Angela story, right? So are you from Columbus? Are you, you know, I know you go to Ohio State. So that's what I want to know. Yeah. So I'm actually from, I I was born in California, but I moved here when I was five. So I'm pretty much from Ohio. Okay. Youngstown, Ohio. So I lived there until I was 20. And then I moved to Columbus, went to Ohio State. Okay. So Youngstown, I think I've had one other guest, Mike Moses from Youngstown. Uh, So do you get to go back for summers to Youngstown? Have you fully relocated to Columbus at this point? What is, what is that like? Yeah, fully live in Columbus. Um, I try to go back as much as possible, but it's really hard. My sister's having a baby, so I've really been trying to prioritize it, but I'll go back every four months. And it's still really difficult when I go back because a lot of our work is here. Mm -hmm. Now, when people think flyover country, uh, Rust Belt, all those terms that kind of characterize what was happening to the manufacturing se- sector that was kind of a big part of the life of Youngstown, yeah. like in the 90s and 2000s. Um, on your last trip back to Youngstown, uh, is it more of the same as described or are you seeing some things changing that uh, you feel are the things are going in the right direction? Things are definitely going in the right direction. Again, I'm really optimistic. I'm just an optimistic person. But Youngstown State, which I actually went to Youngstown State for two years before transferring to Ohio State, they um, they have a new president now, Jim Trussell. So if anyone's an old Ohio State football coach, they would know him. Mm-hmm. And 
that he's doing a great job. He's getting more people to live on campus, which is creating more like businesses around campus to support those students. And they're really just cleaning up the city. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of Youngstown. They're doing good. Yeah, it's always good to hear good news. Um, you know, we have enough going on in, in Columbus now mm -hmm. to be almost staring at our navel about how great we are. But mm -hmm. we have so many small cities all around us that are doing things. Like I, I took a trip out to Bell Fountain. Maybe at some point I'll take a trip out to Youngstown and little small towns like that and see what's going on. Yeah. All right. So um, why Ohio State, right? So you had options. You started at Youngstown. Why did you choose to go to Ohio State? All right. So a little bit about me, too, is I code. I love coding, coder at heart. But I didn't know how to code until I actually went to college. So I was pretty behind on the standards of, like, when you learn to code, especially in my first class, I was, there was two girls. I was only like, the other one dropped out halfway through the class. So by the end, I was the only girl. Mm. And everyone's like, oh yeah, I've been coding since I was 12. I can do this all in my sleep. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I don't know how to do this. And so I spent all my weekends working on personal projects. And like, I was like, I'm going to show these guys what's up. And so then closer to the end, I actually like, I don't know, I felt like I really was able to keep up with them and maybe even like outcode some of them. Mm -hmm. And so that love of coding made me want to go do a hackathon. And so it was called Highland Software. It's a company, I think they're in Cleveland, and they had a hackathon in the winter. And um, they, I went to this hackathon. I didn't win, but I built my first website in like 36 hours. And But the winning team, they were all from Ohio State. I never found these guys, I don't know, but they were... If, uh, this is going to sound kind of lame. They were good-looking coders, and they were really smart. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's good-looking, smart coders. I need to go to Ohio State. Okay, so that's <laughs> like the deadliest combination. It used to be like good-looking musician. Now it's good-looking coder. Okay, I got to write that down. I got to drop the guitar and start coding. <laughs> well, and you have to win the hackathon, too. Because oh, okay, okay. They, they built this awesome-looking app, and I was like, wow, Ohio State is teaching all this, and they're able to get these kids that can build this awesome app in a weekend. Like, I need to go there. And so... I kind of, I, I still, it was still like in the back of my mind, but I, but I continued on at um, Youngstown State and it was about the end of my sophomore year. I was getting, I was a 4.0 student at this point and I realized if I'm getting all A's, I'm probably doing something wrong because I shouldn't, it shouldn't be this easy. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, all right, it's time to transfer. So I transferred, I got in and it was very random, but I just went to Ohio State. Now, was it like the coding program at Ohio State was kind of ro robust? Like what was the, as you were doing your research, or were you just thinking, hey, look, I'm doing my thing here. This feels a little too easy. I think the next closest challenge might be Ohio State. Yeah, it was, it was pretty much that mm -hmm. I I wouldn't say I did that much research. I was just like, I want to stay in state. And I was like, well, you know, those guys were good at coding. I'm going to check out Ohio State. And I knew Ohio State had a lot of research opportunities. I never did any of those research opportunities. But I was like, <laughs> if I want to, they're there. there, There's the option, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so Tago. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're at Ohio State. You're learning coding. You're becoming more proficient. Mm -hmm. When does the idea for Tego strike you? Where does it come from? When does it strike you? So actually, the idea of it happened the first month of when I moved to Columbus. Now, it was sometime in the first semester. I 
was just shopping at a local grocery store and I wasn't paying attention to my surroundings because again, I lived in Youngstown my, pretty much my whole life and you you know everyone in Youngstown. And someone uh, came up, he was following me for several aisles and he attacked me from the back. And that was so scary. Just my first week being in Columbus, I didn't know anyone here. And I just like, I was able to get out of it. And I just went and screamed, ran out of there. And luckily that was all that happened. Mm. But being in a new city, I just felt like I couldn't live on my own at that point. And I was actually really close to moving back to Youngstown. Luckily, my dad was able to talk me out of it. And he was really like, my rock throughout this whole process. He was always just checking on me, making sure I got to like my destination safely. And that um, like pretty much every time I left anywhere, he was doing that. Wow. And so that's when I was like, okay, this is becoming a hard process on him because every time something, like I was leaving somewhere and if he didn't like pick up or like check in on me, I felt kind of betrayed. So mm -hmm. we needed like a more automated process for that. And that's when I thought of Tago. Okay. You know, you you watch like a news report and there's like a lady up there and she's telling her story about what happened to her uh, and there's a disconnect. But it really hits home when it's somebody that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, in the aftermath of something like that, and maybe if this gets a little too personal or triggers memories that you don't want to really talk about on a podcast, right? Because you weren't expecting to do that. You were yeah. talking about Tego. Um, but what does that aftermath look like? I mean, did it, authorities get involved or, you know, talk us through it because there might yeah. be somebody with a similar experience listening, um, who might gain some insight, or maybe if somebody is in a situation like this in the future, they maybe could know a little bit more to, to, to act differently. Yeah. Um, so going back into high school a little bit, um, a similar but worse situation happened to me. I had to, it, it kind of ruined me. I became really depressed for several years. And it, I mean, it was just hard to snap out of it. I don't really talk about that that much, mm -hmm. um, but the situation happened again. And once I realized that it happened again, I went and went to my, um, someone I was really close with. I don't want to like call this person out, but I just told him it happened. And they were like, how many times is this going to happen to you? Mm. Are, you can't make a big deal about this again because I didn't call the authorities the first time. Even though I did do therapy and like I had to go to the hospital, I didn't call the authorities. And she's like, well, you didn't call them that time. And it already happened to you once. And it was kind of like, no one's going to believe you. And so anytime things have happened after, I just feel like I can't, it, it kind of scarred me, making me feel like I can't go to the authorities because I didn't go that first time. I've talked about this a lot and I've like, I realize that's not true. And if anyone feels like they're in that similar situation, go to the authorities because if you don't, this person's out there and they're going to do it again. Yeah. And every like that, those are my biggest regrets. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that. And, and so, you know, this happens to you and, and you know, you're not alone, right? It, it's just that now um, it, it's getting national, international attention. More women are coming forward with their experiences, whether or not, they all qualify as quote unquote sexual assault, just mm -hmm. this being attacked or being harassed or being uh, feeling as if, um, you know, y you as a person, just the fact that you are a woman is some kind of vulnerability in our society, right? Mm -hmm. Having that hyper awareness of your surroundings that if you're alone, you could be a target. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, what is that? So once you... You find that, you know, you're talking to your dad and your dad is trying to encourage you to be strong. And, hey, this is something that you've decided to do. You need to pursue it. 
don't let this become something that stops you from pursuing your dream. Mm-hmm. How does that go from an inefficient system of you checking in with your dad to you taking the initiative, actually building an app? Yeah. So there's few steps along the way for that. Um, after what has happened to me, I kind of became the friend of our, fr- like the mom of our friend group. And so I'm the one that makes sure everyone gets home safely. I'm the one that makes sure if so, like no one takes drinks from random strangers. I'm just, I'm always just making sure my, my girls, they're good. And so it, I became similar to like, if my friends didn't let me know they got home, I started to worry and think that something bad happened to mm-hmm. them. So it kind of became more of like, I need something like this because I'm nervous my friends are getting home. And so, again, the, like the idea kept building um, more benefits like to add to this kind of kept building up. And then it was just kind of like, oh, this is my my secret business that I have and I'm going to do it eventually. I kept always saying, oh, I'll do it eventually. And then um, so it was 2018. The OSU has a hackathon every year. And if you don't know what a hackathon is, it's a 24-hour coding challenge. Everyone drinks a bunch of coffee and Red Bull and they stay up all night and they just code. And so I did it with one of my friends and uh, most people have teams of four, but we just wanted to work on it with each other. And so we went and we built pretty much what Tego was. It was called Return Safe at the time, but uh, it was like a very, very simple uh, version of Tego. Um, none of the code that was at the hackathon is in the app now, but it was just like a simple way to test it out. And we ended up getting first place, which was really validating and exciting because it went from the my teammate um, for the hackathon, he actually didn't think it was that good of an idea. He was just like, oh, no, I don't want to build it. And I was offended. I was like, this is my brilliant idea, and you're saying it's not that good. But then we built it, and then we got first place, and we won laptops from that. So sold. I don't know if I should admit this, but we sold. I sold my laptops, and that funded Tego. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, once they give it to you, they can't <laughs> say what happens to it, right? Yeah, I know. I just, I, I because we, we won, um, like, I don't know. I just felt like we were supposed to use it towards coding, but you're right. They, they can't like dictate where it goes. Yeah, you won. <laughs> yeah. It's up to you. All right. So uh, did you feel like the idea already had legs uh, or did you need the hackath- hackathon to validate like, oh, yeah, this is something I have to build? Because up until that point, you hadn't built it, right? Mm-hmm. It was kind of monitoring your friends. And in you, that 24 hours basically changed your life. Yeah. Uh, no, I needed the hackathon to validate it. So I was very lucky that I had a very cushiony, like software engineering internships pay pretty well. And I had a very cushiony um, internship. I was making like 35 an hour. And, and for a college student that has just a cat, that's solid money. And so I was just like, I was still working on personal projects, but I wasn't like trying to necessarily leave that, even though I didn't really feel challenged at work. I was just like, my personal projects made me feel challenged. But then once I found that, um, you know, because a lot of the judges were women and they're like, man, I would love to use this. Like my boyfriend would love, they, they really validated it. I was mm-hmm. like, all right, it's, it's time to build it. Um, and I'm really lucky for that internship because that has funded Tego for a really long like duration. I mean, uh, I'm really lucky my co-founder also had a cushiony like software engineering internship and we both work on Tego full time now, mm-hmm. but um, it, it really helped us save up money and just to pay for our own expenses too. That's great. And, you know, the mark, what, what made me really fall in love with Tego was how simple it is to understand. Like it's an app on your phone that helps you get home safe. Yep. Oh, well, how does it do that? 
Well, you know, you have a group of people. It, it, it yeah. kind of just explains itself, right? And then when you realize that this hackathon happened right as, in my opinion, the height of awareness in 2018, it was like perfect timing. Uh, so what happens after you win the hackathon uh, and and bring us forward to where Tego is today? Yeah, so won the hackathon. I was a solo founder at this point. And if anyone has, um, uh, the person I worked on the hackathon with, he's a great guy. We were good friends, but I just felt like a startup is so intense. And like, I wanted to work on this full time. And he like was like, uh, I can do maybe like 20 hours a week. And I was like, that's not cutting it. And so in a nice way. And so I was just, <laughs> I, was, so I was like, okay, I'm going to just do this by myself. But I'm lucky that I've had a few internships in the past at um, like a, a local startup. And we were all like family there. And so I was able to go to them and be like, hey, can I need an iOS developer? I need an Android developer. And we, I was able to form my initial team with that. And so we kind of just started building it out. So from October to um, November, we were just kind of getting like the prototype of it down, like the design. Then we launched in March. So we started coding it in December, launched in March of 2019. And um then it was just like getting constant like feedback from there. And in that meantime, I have a co-founder. His name is Mark. He's amazing. And he puts in some crazy hours on this. Right. That's great. And, you know, like you said, for a first launch or kind of a, an, an, an initial product, Tego is beautiful. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Very well executed. And I think you can have all the technicals right. But if the user interface isn't right... Uh, and users don't enjoy using it, given all the features that you're uh, uh, including in this product, I think it would be pretty tough sell, right? So everybody gets excited about the idea, and then the experience really doesn't deliver. So, you know, how did you go about thinking through all of the features I need to include, and then making sure that you were executing on that user interface? And then if you could briefly explain how does the app work, yeah. right? So. I, um, I hate when companies are like, oh, no, 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 that's not exactly it. We do this. Like, I, like you said earlier, I like a very simple app. And it needs to be like just very clean and simple. So it acts like most other apps like Lyft and Uber, where you just say where you're going to. Um, we then ask you to have sidekicks on your trip. And your sidekick is just the person that's going to be notified when you arrive home. And they're also going to be notified if something happens to you while you're on the go. Um, and then right there, we start your trip. We let your sidekicks know you're on your way. And we automatically detect when you make it home. So no more texting, hey, I got home safely. We detect that for you. Mm. And then if something does happen, you can live stream audio, video footage. Um, easily let someone that you know that you need help. Because a lot of times in situations, especially we found that with like more like feminine or like our um, females, like they don't always are like they're not always comfortable using their voice in situations so you can say that you need help um one of the one of our success stories someone was leaving a bar and um it was actually a male too but he was leaving a bar and these guys were harassing him for money he went into tago signaled that he need help and his friends came out and were able to get him out of that situation oh wow yeah that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay. So I'm I'm thinking, and I remember this because you and I went through Rev One's uh, customer learning lab. Yeah, and so much has changed since then. <laughs> uh huh. But that is kind of a brutal process, mm -hmm. right? You're asking yourself really tough questions about your market, about your product, etc. 
and we kind of got into, I don't know if we, for, for me, a business model. Yeah. Right. Because that's very important. Yeah. I mean, and maybe not for you so much. It's oh, just no. really getting the app out right now. Well, but are you starting to think about business model? Yes. And I, OK, sorry. I, and so you're to cut you off. I was so excited because we have <laughs> such a unique business model that uh, we're about to we're about to launch Tego 2.0 and it's going to have um, like our. I guess our business model in it. So um, it was a painful week. It was a couple weeks after Customer Learning Labs, but I did qualitative surveys with our top users, people, just like people who we think might use the product, people who are um, just like all these different demographics along with like personal safety and police. And I ended up having 77 qualitative, so that's like in person or on the phone, surveys in one week. Wow. That was I was so depressed. I was like crying all the time. I was eating so much food. It was it was a really stressful week for me. Yeah. But from that, I was able to uh, I find this really unique insight. So we found um, of those uh, 77 people, 49 of them had mace, and of those 49 people, 30. Oh wait, of those um, yeah, of those 49 people, 48 of them were gifted the mace. So we found that it feels good to give someone mace because it feels good to give someone safety. Because mm. like you feel like you're doing your part. You're like, oh, I'm helping you out by giving you this. And so if something bad does happen, I'm kind of there helping you. And we give so many things that are less practical, less useful, mm. that and less impactful. Yeah. So I can understand that. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I have mace and my older sister gifted me it. I didn't realize at the time that like that was so common, but talking to other girls, I mean, now we, it, it wasn't part of our survey, but now we bring this up to people and they're like, oh yeah, my mom gave me that before college. And so we realized this whole like gifting safety, it makes people feel good and it's helping someone out. And so our whole business model is based on giving people a subscription of Tego. Mm. So we're targeting parents for their kids, like to gift it to them when they go off to college or high school or when they start driving and, um, or significant others to gift it to each other too. Like, um, for example, a long distance relationship. Yeah, that's awesome. And Thank so you. it's a subscription model mm -hmm. uh, and it's annual, it uh, sounds like. Or you have options there as well? Yeah, there's options. So you can do monthly, you could do, we have a college plan, which is a four year plan. And then, um, so we have like several different options, um, but yeah, it's a subscription model. There's always a free tier though, because one thing that I was adamant about that if you, even though it's very low cost, but I think that if you still cannot afford that, you should still have some parts of the safety, but we do need to make money so that we can keep providing the service to everyone. So we did have to add in some sort of subscription. Right. Now there's a lot of counterintuitive things when it comes to remaining safe, just generally, mm -hmm. right? And you raised something in Customer Learning Lab that I did not know, which is it is unsafe to be on your phone while you're walking alone, mm -hmm. right? And But now you have an app on the phone that's a safety app. So talk a little bit about why it's unsafe to be on your phone when you're walking alone. And then how do you get users to break the twitch, right? Because you'll have the app on your phone, but you still want Instagram open or whatever open and you'll be walking. Is there a fine line that people need to walk of don't give yourself a false sense of safety simply because you have a safety app on your phone? You still need to be aware of your surroundings. Oh, 100%. I mean, we're, our company is more like our marketing has changed a little bit. We're obviously safety is very important and it's I mean, being aware of your surroundings is is key, but we're really focusing on that peace of mind and that connection. Like, I, I think it's, a, there's, so, there's so many warning signs. Like if you go on the news, it, I mean, you all these headlines, they're scary. 
but that and it gets people anxious when their friends don't let them know when they do get home. So we're really focused on that connection piece of just like letting your friends know when you get home and being a good friend for your friends to make sure that they did get home safely. Um, when it comes to just walking in, uh, our app acts as before you leave, you set it so you're not using it while on the go. Mm -hmm. um, some of our competitors, you have to actually hold, your, there's a button on your phone and you just hold that button the whole time while walking, Whoa. which is like, in some cities, that doesn't even work because um, Columbus, we're really lucky, but there's a lot of cities out there where um, phone snatching happens like very often just from and out of your hands because you're not expecting it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, just, you know, people just pay attention, you know, they... I think there's a lot of good people out there, but you just never know who you're around and just pay attention. That doesn't mean to be scared of everyone. Just be aware. Mm -hmm. Just just don't. Technology is great, but there are practical things that you need to do anyway, even though you have Tego on your phone mm -hmm. to continue to keep yourself safe. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I was thinking about, and I may have asked you this during Customer Learning Lab, is about all the data collection that's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? When it, what times are people turning Tego on? It's going to vary city to city. Where do people feel the most unsafe? Is it a lighting issue? Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and how are you looking at using that data to make physical environments more safe, right? Um, is there any, are you starting to think about things like that? Yeah, so we're actually in the talks of partnering with a university. It's, I don't know if I can name them, but it's not Ohio State, if that, if that narrows it down. Nothing wrong with Ohio State. I just feel like everyone's like, oh, is it Ohio State? I'm like, I don't know if I could say, but it's not them. Mm -hmm. um, but they have about 15,000 students, and we're going to pilot with them in the fall. And from using Tago, they can create a map on campus of where students felt unsafe and why. And that can go and just help when they, they come up with new construction plans when they're talking to parents for, you know, saying like, these are our plans to make the campus feel more safe. And it's also just the perception of safety too. When it comes, like, just because I feel unsafe doesn't mean I'm unsafe. Doesn't mean that you should not care. Because if I feel unsafe, I want my friends or my sidekicks, like we like to call them in the app, I want them to care. But it doesn't, like, sometimes I just walk down an alleyway and I feel unsafe. And I'm really lucky that I have amazing friends and amazing parents that when I do that, they're in the app and they're watching. But that doesn't mean like something happened to me so that you still need to pay attention to that. Yeah, great. Well, I mean, I, I'm a huge fan of Tago. Thank you. You know, I, I think people should download it. Yeah. They should check it out for themselves. They should use it. They should test it. And they should definitely gift it. Yeah. Right? So gift-giving season is right around the corner. You don't have to wait that long, mm -hmm. right? You can do it now, correct? Is that available for people to do now? With our relaunch, you can do it. Okay. So we're relaunching. 2.0. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when is that? We're relaunching September 1st. And on, uh, if you're listening to this, like we are, we're pre-product market fit. So we're still like trying to figure out what people want. And even though like we're really great at like trying getting customer feedback, I mean, if you use this app and something's wrong, please let us know. We will respond and we will really consider it. Um, Angela will respond personally because yes. she works 80 hours a day on this project. <laughs> um, all right. Now, if you could um, flash forward mm -hmm. five, 10 years or so, what would you like? Um, to see happening with Tego, uh, and what what do you ideally want your legacy and the legacy of your company to be? So, okay, so there's there's a couple of things with this. A lot of people are like, "Can you tell me more about customer success stories?" Um, and I'm always just like, "Well, you know, I really like solving the peace of mind part. I hate when there's a success story 
like I, I love when there's a, a success story, but I hate the fact that something has happened to someone. Mm. So I personally would rather just solve that, like make everyone feel um, feel better and nothing in the world ever happened to anyone. Obviously that's unrealistic, but if it, like if I had it my way, it would be like us just connecting friends and the world just being good. I don't think it's gonna work that way. I Maybe something crazy will happen, but it, in five years, I just really hope that more people can kind of feel comfortable reporting stuff and just kind of sticking up for themselves. I mean, when we were doing this validation and it wasn't even a female, it was, it was a man and he was homosexual and so, he like felt like he couldn't be himself while walking on the street. And it was, I mean, I just felt so bad. He said that he would have to like butch up to feel like, feel like he, like, you know, just to not be attacked. Like he, yeah, he wouldn't, so he doesn't, people wouldn't perceive him as a potential target. Yes, and I was like, that's horrible. And it made me realize that this isn't just an app for females, it's just an app for people who just want to be a little bit more connected while on the go. And so I hope that, while this app is great, I hope more people can just feel like they can be themselves without being a target. Mm -hmm. So my final question for my guests is if you could go back to your younger self, but, you know, for you, it would be like if you could go back to like three years ago or something, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But if you could go back to when you started this company or when you had this idea, um, are there lessons that you've learned so far that um, you would perceive as advice that you would give yourself if you could do things differently? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. So I guess the first thing I would do, I'm going to go three years ago and there's even advice I'd give myself like five months ago because mm -hmm. I was not doing everything. Perfect. <laughs> um, three years ago, I would say stop trying to be like everyone else. Like I, so I grew up in a family where my dad has always had his own business. And um, for a lot of people who have parents who like who you kind of work for their companies, you you help them out. And I mean, finances, it was like a roller coaster. Like one month we'd have money and the next month, like we couldn't really go to the doctor because we couldn't afford the copay. So it was always like, it was really crazy in, in my house. And so from that, I had a lot of pressure on my mom to go and get a stable job because she's like, you don't want to go through the stress. And well, I do agree that like, yeah, I, I mean, it's stressful starting your own business. I, if I took my mom's advice, I love my mom, by the way, but if I took her advice, hi mom, <laughs> hi mom. <laughs> um, but if I took her advice, I'd be so depressed because at my last internship, I was just crying constantly in the bathroom because I wasn't being challenged. And so, you know, it maybe sometimes like it, you have uh, two paths and one is definitely less traveled. If you feel like you're going to be happier going down that path, take it because like, it might be more like comforting knowing that you're going to get a paycheck next month. But if you're not happy, I don't think it's worth it. Again, I should preface, I am 23. I have a cat and I have no mortgage and I have very little student loans. This isn't like a story for everyone. I'm very lucky about how I set that up. I didn't mean to. It just kind of happened that way. Yeah. Um, and then my advice now is, and this is just like, what I've learned along the way is you keep asking. I think there's a lot of times where I felt scared to ask people whether whether it's for a favor or for feedback or to do this. Like I was like, oh, I don't want to bother them. But a lot of people have been more than happy to help just because I am a first-time founder. I am young. And I, I once I got over that fear of asking, I really felt like I just saw a lot of progress. And, and always ask, like, I didn't, I don't know. I just like didn't learn to talk to my customers fa customers fast enough. I mean, right after we launched, I think it took me about a month until I was like going out and getting validation on that. And 
I mean, I, I should have been doing that earlier. Again, it's we're still so new. It's okay. And I mean, we learned a lot along the way. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to close out the podcast with my one takeaway. And my takeaway from this podcast is solve real problems. Uh, entrepreneurship is kind of the fad of the day, you can say. Um, but personally, if you don't have a problem that you're solving that will completely engross you, you won't have what it takes to go through the ups and downs necessary to be successful long-term. Your story, your personal story, and the story of launching Tego is so inspiring for that reason. You are solving a real problem. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the 614 Startups Podcast. Peace. 614 Startups Nation. It's a wrap. Thank you for listening. You can listen to this podcast on our website, www.614startups.com, and on all your favorite podcast channels like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and Google Podcasts. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. Also, 614startups.com is your one-stop shop for Columbus startup news, interviews, and events. Make sure you make 614startups.com part of your daily routine to stay up to date.